No. Yes. Man, it works every time. Yeah. Welcome back to another episode of the Super Duper Flex Bros. Tonight is Thursday, August 12th. I'm your host, Tom. Joined with me is one of uh, the SDFB guest favorites is uh, Pro Football Focus's Ben Brown. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Tom. I'm doing pretty well. I mean, we got preseason NFL action right now. We're getting to sweat out some Dwayne Haskins marquee play coming up here in the second half for the Steelers so I couldn't ask for anything more at this point in time the season is coming quickly and I uh am, I don't know if I'm quite ready for it at this point in time but uh it's gonna be here really soon so I'm pumped yep it's it's currently halftime you and me are geeking out about uh Danny Brown having a couple of catches right? and and uh, uh Jared Patterson looking good it, it, it is preseason so I gotta keep telling myself to pump the brakes but these are two guys I'm very excited for so it's been a it's been a great first night of preseason action, but uh, tonight we got we're going to be talking about uh, the Giants wide receivers. We'll see how long that conversation lasts, and uh, some undervalued players in uh, in dynasty. So some some players that you and I think are are going to break out and probably climb those uh, that that uh, the depth charts there. So right. uh, just hopping right into it with the Giants wide receivers. Uh, before we we talk about these these uh, their big three. Any any anything you want to say about the Giants wide receivers before we get get started here? I mean, I am honestly I've been a pretty big Kenny Galladay fan since day one. At this point in time, I was I was really high on him last year, injury plagued year. Um, but you know his 2019 season when he was basically like what wide receiver nine in points per reception did it on a pretty low volume amount of targets. So I've I'm always kind of been a Kenny Galladay fan. So. Just starting off at that point, I do buy into him as being like a marquee quality addition to this Giants offense. I do kind of think his skill set, not necessarily great, like from a separation perspective, but does win really well downfield in the contested catch situation. I kind of buy into him being one of these like perfect sort of targets to unlock Daniel Jones, right? Like Daniel Jones hasn't really been the high average depth of target guy he usually is checking it down you know Saquon Barkley injured last year but he still had a really low average depth of target um you know looking at other players out of that backfield but I do think him taking some risks uh Jason Garrett kind of opening up the playbook for him a little bit could do some wonders for this Giants offense in general uh, so that's kind of my initial starting point is that what you're thinking at all I mean do you think Kenny Galladay is like the the alpha number one potential at this point in time well, like you said, in 2019, finished the season as wide receiver nine with 65 receptions, 1,190 yards, and that uh, that whopping 11 touchdowns, yep. um, and, and then was only limited to five games last season. So I'm I'm not even going to rattle off those stats because it was it was just ugly. Uh, but I I I tend to to lean towards uh, Kenny Galladay being more of a, a Mike Williams, like a, just kind of a a solid wide receiver two instead of. The prototypical, you know, a lot of uh, fantasy gamers wanted him to end up being like DeAndre Hopkins, where he can right. all those those fifty fifty balls. So I don't really see him uh, landing inside that that top twelve any any seasons um, in the future. And then the, uh, uh, the the injury that that he's already sustained in the preseason is is what also makes me nervous. So I feel like I'm kind of out on on Galladay this season as far as um, redraft and uh, best ball leagues go. But as far as dynasty, I'm I'm just really 
unsure on, on how to project any of these, these these Giants wide receivers if there's if there's any that I want at this point. But but you're you're still a believer. You, you think uh, after Galladay got that uh, that payday, he's still somebody worth investing in. I definitely think so, right? I'm buying into him. I think he's going off the board basically in redraft right around like wide receiver 25 or right around there, kind of like late, mid-fifth, a little bit early sixth round kind of uh, ADP at this point in time. And I'm fully buying into him at this point, right? I think um, the narrative that he's injury prone maybe a little bit overstated. Obviously, there's some recency bias with that in taking that into account. Already has the hamstring slash quad injury. I'm not quite sure the exact details of it at this point in time. I didn't. It didn't sound like that injury in training camp was all that serious, so I'm not really going to ding him for it at this point in time. Um, but I I believe that Kenny DeGalladay is a much, much better version of Mike Williams, if that's who you want to compare it to. I don't really think he's on DeAndre Hopkins' level at this point in time, but I think this is kind of turning into a situation where it's going to be much more of a two-man show for the Giants uh, in 2021. I if I was going to ding Kenny Dolliday, I would get, I would ding him maybe a little bit for the injury situation, but I'm not going to at this point in time. But the Jason Garrett factor and how well Daniel Jones progresses um, is kind of kind of going to be the two keys to unlocking Kenny Galladay's, uh potential as a fantasy asset, right? And that's what I am buying into. I do think Daniel Jones is very much capable of taking that the next step, basically, in year three. In saying that, I do think that it's going to be Kenny Galladay that's going to need to be the key for him to actually be able to take that next step. So I'm buying into them as a package. I do kind of like uh, Kenny Galladay to go over 1,000 uh, receiving yards, which is, which is his player prop at this point in time. Uh, some of my projections I'm looking at have him going over by like 150, 200 yards. So if he gets up into that 15-game threshold, I think he's going to be a really viable fantasy asset. So I might we might have to do some sort of like a wager or something for charity here based on the finish of, Ken, based on the finish of Kenny Galladay, seeing if he finishes... Uh, as like a top twenty, top fifteen receiver at this point in time, I should check his. Uh, I should check his underdog best ball, uh, <laughs> underdog best ball ADP just to make sure because I, I, like I you know, any 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 way to, to raise money for charity, I, I'm in. So he's all so what he is wide receiver thirty sixty four point five ADP ADP an underdog right now. I think he's going to be a t- top twenty receiver. Do you think that's a justifiable bet? Uh, me versus you. Kenny Galladay finishes a top twenty PPR receiver in twenty twenty one or not? Do you want to get that? Uh, no, I'll I'll will take the under just just with the the injury history. I I, I think he'll finish outside the top twenty. So all right, we might have to do with. we might have to do lunch and and a charity uh, charity of your choice at this point in time. I think yep. as well that all might right. be the, that might be the perfect bet. You so. you pick you pick the charity that you want to donate 20, 20 bucks to after after Galladay finishes outside wide receiver thirty this year. Okay, <laughs> I can get on board with that. I can get on board with that. But yeah, like the other offensive weapons, I do think it's going to be a lot more of a two man show for New York, right? Like I I'm not really buying it as Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, even Evan Ingram to a lesser extent. Uh, kind I think they've kind of already had their opportunity, right? They're not anybody that I necessarily want to buy into in dynasty or redraft. Um, so I'm looking at it from if I'm going to play the Giants, I'm looking for Daniel Jones and Kenny Galladay sort of stack in some of my redraft leagues. If I can get Saquon Barkley, uh, some people have some injuries, concerns about him as well, of course. Um, but if I, if he's, you know, there in the latter half of the first round, I think he's definitely just follow play because I could easily see him finishing um, in a fully healthy season as the top top two or three running back at that point in time. I think he's, you know, obviously he's that talented, drafted that highly in the NFL draft. So 
Um, that's kind of where I'm at with the Giants offense in general. But I don't know. I think the NFC East is going to be pretty ugly. Um, and, but we could have some high-scoring high scoring games if Dak Prescott uh, ends up playing a full season. But we'll see what ends up happening at this point in time. I'm not yeah. entirely and sure what to make of the NFC East. So Absolutely. The, it, it's it's going to be really interesting to see the connection that he has or doesn't have with Daniel Jones because Matthew yeah. Stafford is, is one of those quarterbacks like Justin Herbert where it doesn't matter who you are if, if you're open. He's, he's going to find you. So he, he was able to sustain Marvin Jones as, as a wide receiver one for a couple of seasons and wide receiver two. But yeah, I'm, I'm getting off track here. If if, uh, if if you want to be bored by some some Kenny Galladay stats, he's he's uh, listed at six, four uh, weight, two thirteen. So he's, he's that that uh, that size for that uh, that alpha receiver and only age 27. So you see guys like Keenan Allen, who are 29, still putting up wide receiver one year. So um so if uh, if Kenny Galladay um, has has what it takes to be be a wide receiver one, then um, I'm I'm uh, I'm probably going to miss out on that. But um, <laughs> I, I, after this conversation, I'm I'm definitely starting to buy in. So moving on to the other two receivers, I guess you've already kind of skipped ahead. You're not interested in a, a Sterling Shepard who who only played ten games in 2019 and twelve games in uh, 2020. Yeah, I'm not interested in either. Right? I mean this. This wide receiver unit last year was so banged up that every one of these guys at one point or another had the chance to be kind of that alpha number one overall wide receiver. None of them grabbed hold of the opportunity, right? They were sitting around. Daniel Jones basically didn't have any guys that could separate whatsoever toward the end of the season. That's why I think they went out and got a guy like Kenny Galladay and realized that they have to spend the money in order to justify, you know, drafting Daniel Jones so high. They need to give him guys that can actually separate. I think they went out and got a guy like Kenny Galladay who can do the contested catch thing. I think they drafted a guy like Kadarius Toney thinking that, you know, obviously he would have his head on straight. He'd be able to play 17 games. He could be more of that separation type receiver underneath. So I think Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, they kind of already saw what they were capable of at this point in time. And I think they were kind of willing to not necessarily completely move on, but at least understand that they didn't have what it takes to, unleash Daniel Jones in the way that he needs to. So I think they are trying to surround Daniel Jones with other talent. And I think that Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, probably afterthoughts uh, as far as manufacturing targets for them in the passing offense for the Giants is kind of my take at this point in time. Yeah, I uh, I tend to agree with you there. I, I, I picked up Darius Slayton in a couple of dynasty leagues his rookie season and uh, flipped him for, for second round picks. So I was I was excited to, to make that move because he, he did – dropped from wide receiver 33 to 54. What was interesting when I was uh, putting the show together is seeing that he had 48 receptions and then 50 receptions. His rookie season, he had 740 yards and then 751 yards. Right. So pretty, pretty, uh, pretty close. Consistent. To, yeah, very <laughs> consistent. The, the only difference was the, the eight touchdowns. Uh, so basically a touchdown on 20% of his, his receptions and his rookie season. So that, that was kind of the, the outlier that I was, I was expecting him to uh, regress, which he did only have three, but uh, Daniel Jones did miss him on a couple of uh, uh, deep shots when he was open last season. So we'll see, maybe, maybe Darius Slayton uh, climbs back up to that, that six or seven touchdowns in uh, 2021. But um, so, so you're saying that, that this is kind of his ceiling. Like we're, we're, we're basically looking at five or uh, 50 receptions and, a little under eight, 800 yards per, per season for Darius Slayton? Yep, I, I think that's basically where he's at exactly right. Let me look up exactly what I have him projected at. Um, I can tell you, and I almost guarantee you, without even looking at it 
before this that it, that is basically exactly uh, that number at this point. So I would say 65 targets, 40 receptions, 635 passing yards. So maybe a little bit lower, obviously, with Kenny Galladay in the mix. I don't know what they're going to get from Kadarius Tony at this point in time, but it is just like a little bit lower expectation than what you know his prior season has been. But I think it goes back to him kind of being... Um, you know, just a guy when he had a chance to potentially be the number one number one option in that offensive wide receiver room. So I think from that perspective, yeah, he's looking at what, like wide receiver 77, breaking sure. the top 80. But I mean, he's in the same he's in the same ballpark as guys like, you know, Hunter Renfro, Marcus Valdez Scantling, you know, maybe like an A.J. Green sighting or something like that. But in that range, I'm looking for guys with higher upside, not only in Dynasty, um, but, you know, from a regen perspective in general. So if there's a guy like, you know, Rondell Moore that you can get around that range, Sammy Watkins potentially, um, you know, based on the news with Rashad Bateman getting hurt, uh, or, or even a guy like Demarcus Robinson or somebody like that from Kansas City where you're getting like a good chunk of that uh, passing offense, um, you know, or, or you're getting a share basically of a, the best passing offense in the NFL. I'm more inclined to lean that direction than go with a guy like Darius Slayton, who's playing with a quarterback that still really hasn't proven himself at this point, right? So that's my perspective on the Slayton Slayton topic for sure. Well, and and as you already pointed out too, with this being a, a Jason Garrett offense now, they're going to want to run the ball. So right. for them to try to uh, sustain uh, an RB1, a wide receiver one, and a strong wide receiver two, um, probably not looking too good. Uh, t- he's technically a tight end, but he's been used as a receiver. I, I don't have this on the show sheet at all, but w- what are your thoughts on Evan Ingram? Do you think he can ever finish as, as a tight end one again, or do you think he's always going to be that uh, that tight end one that everybody's chasing, that just uh, injury-prone or drops, whatever it is, he just kind of let, lets uh, fantasy managers down? Yeah, I mean, he's been tough, right? Like, the drop thing's obviously uh, really unstable from year to year. I'm not really putting too much stock and the fact that he drops a bunch of balls but i do think that there is some sort of narrative playing into it to the fact where they had to go out and get a guy like kyle rudolph right like kyle rudolph our you know hometown minnesota faithful uh probably doesn't have a ton left in the tank but is definitely like a goal line threat to at least vulture some of those easy passing touchdowns away from evan ingram um i still think evan ingram is potentially pretty dynamic player so like i had to choose between the ulterior pass catchers and the giants uh, offense at this point in time, I would lean towards Evan Ingram. But in saying that, I'm still not super high at him overall, right? And he's what, basically kind of sitting there in that 15 to 20 ranked range. Um, I think there's probably other guys I would still probably gravitate toward at this point in time. Um, if I was choosing between him and somebody else kind of in the same tier, um, that's the spot that I would probably lean at this point in time. I just... I, I like Daniel Jones, but I haven't seen enough from Daniel Jones to really buy into anybody other than his wide receiver one at this point. It's kind of my perspective. And I think you touched on it really well when you um, said, you know, he doesn't he hasn't necessarily shown the ability to support multiple fantasy relevant players at the pass catching position. So I think most of them are fades, especially given how high I am on Kenny Galladay. Um, but if I was to choose, I would go Evan Ingram, probably like my second favorite option in this Giants passing offense for sure. Um, so actually looking at the rankings, I didn't realize how far Evan Ingram has actually fallen. So currently he's, he's uh, not high. Uh, Johnny Smith is uh, tight end 12, Logan Thomas tight end 13, Evan Ingram tight end 14. 
Hunter Henry, tight end 15, and Tyler Higby, tight end 16. So yeah. out of that group, is, is Evan Ingram kind of the, the last man? I wouldn't say he's the last man out of that group. I, I, I'm actually surprised at the Tyler Higby ranking. We have him pretty um, high, at least in our re, in the redraft projections. But I want to know where you have Irv Smith Jr. because that is my sleeper tight end at this point in time. Uh, and he's the one that I would probably be targeting in that range as the first overall. Um, but outside of that, I'm not... I, you know, I think John Smith had a pretty decent yards after the catch play this tonight uh, in the preseason game New England played against Washington. Um, but other than that, I think I wasn't too high on John Smith, but I would probably fade Hunter Henry over Evan Ingram out of that group in at this point in time. So I don't know. What All I can say is give me all of the Irv Smith Jr. that you can handle, uh, and then I would like to take some more, I think, at this point. All right, we're 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 definitely uh, aligned on, on on that take as well. It, it especially with uh, how much he's been used in the red zone during preseason. Right. I know, I know, it's 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 just preseason and it's just practice. But the uh, the fact that he's he's getting getting these targets and that he, he's uh, he, he's doing well is actually is is a step in the right direction because um, he was getting drafted in the early second round of his his rookie season in uh in, in rookie drafts. And he he hasn't broken out yet, but I'm I'm with you. I think he has the ability to um, to break out and, and be be a top five tight end this year. Where if he finished ahead of Mark Andrews, I wouldn't be completely surprised. Right, right. That's that's basically where I'm at at this point in time. Right. I think Irv Smith's kind of like my number one sleeper option to break out um, this year. And I think that's maybe a decent segue into our next topic of you know 2021 potential breakouts. I guess at this point, but he would that's- be. He would be the guy on my list that I am uh, definitely targeting. I do have a lot of exposure to him in uh, in like best ball drafts and things like that. So he's definitely a guy that I want um, on as many rosters as I can get my hands on at this point in time for sure. That's right, and I, I got to have you on on the show more often because you're you're helping me with those uh, those those, those <laughs> the segues that, huh? that, that, I, that I, can, I can never do. But you wanted to know who a couple of my breakouts are. Uh, yes. Ironically, they're they're both from the the 2020 class. And I, I don't know if this is uh, considered uh, too 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 hot of a take, but uh, the two players here, I just look at their their dynasty rankings, and I, I think they're too low. But uh, the, the first guy I want to talk about is Tua, currently the quarterback 17 in dynasty. After the 2021 season is, is over, I expect Tua to be a top 12 quarterback in dynasty. He's going to leapfrog Stafford, Hurts, Tannehill, Fields, and Watson. Before people were tanking for Trevor, everyone was tanking for Tua. Um, if the Dolphins didn't think he could handle the job, I think they would have at least offered Fitzmagic another one-year deal, or they would have drafted another quarterback, possibly in the second round, if they if they didn't want to spend one of their first-round picks. Uh, but now now that he's a full year removed from his, his injury from college, uh, he's had time to develop to the speed of the NFL and has quality receivers that he can hit on those uh, those deep throws. Two is going to have a Jared Goff type sophomore season where um, Goff sophomore year, he was quarterback 37 um, his first year and then quarterback 12 um, his, his sophomore year. So um, I, I, I just I, I think two has uh, been uh, showing up at, at, at practice and putting the work in. Uh, there's talk earlier this this offseason um, earlier this summer that, that he was throwing a lot of incompletions and a lot of interceptions. But I think he's, he's just kind of. Um, see, kind of testing the waters and, and seeing what he can get away with. And I think once the regular season uh, comes around, he's, he's not going to be taking quite as many chances. 
And I, I think that's going to end up with uh, some, some pretty solid completion percentage numbers, and there, it's going to be less turnover. So I'm all in on Tua. What, what are your takes on him? Yeah, I mean, I was I was fully on board with Tua coming out of Alabama, right? Like like you said, uh, before he got injured there, I do think everyone was kind of all in on Tua at that point in time. Had a little bit of an up and you know bumpy uh, se- senior season, basically. Might have been his junior season, actually. Came out early. Um, and then was drafted basically fifth overall by the Dolphins um, after kind of, you know, having this draft stock hit a little bit, being banged up quite a bit. But I liked him even coming out uh, last year. I don't necessarily think I saw everything that I wanted to from Tua to be able to say, like, oh, this guy's going to be a future star in the NFL, right? Uh, I don't think anybody really saw that. But it, like you said, I do think the Dolphins kind of bought into him fully, right? And that's the kind of confidence that you want to see. Obviously, they have a lot more tape and also you know ability to watch him and you know read in between the lines and figure out how well he's actually going to be they went out got will fuller you know drafted Jalen waddle so they are putting the pieces in place for Tua to be able to you know win deep have guys who can separate deep and Tua to actually be able to deliver and those are the types of players that i want uh surrounding a young quarterback the guys that can you know create the separation to get open to have the easy throws downfield. And I think Tua has at this point in time. Uh, Dolphins are a really good team in general. Uh, and the kind of the only missing piece that they had previously was the quarterback position, right? I think Brian Flores is a really great coach, great defensively, got the Xavier, Xavier Howard situation, kind of figured out long-term deal with him. So I think from that perspective, the only thing the Dolphins really need is a quarterback. And they decided to move forward with Tua, uh, let Ryan Fitzpatrick walk to Washington, um, and I think that speaks volume to the progression that they think he's going to have from year one to year two. So that's something that I can definitely buy into, too. Um, I do think QB 17 at this point in time. I definitely think he's going to leapfrog. Um, I don't know about all the players you mentioned. I am quite high on Justin Fields. But I think other than Justin Fields, I would buy into uh, to a being a much better dynasty prospect than anybody else on that list for sure as well. So I, I buy into it. I'm definitely buying this one from it. And, and I, I like the the fact that you brought up the the defense because the with with Miami's defense getting stronger over the past couple of seasons, I, I think you're right. I don't think there's going to be games where it's you know the Dolphins are going to be down 21 to three already in the second quarter, and then he has mm-hmm. to try to play hero ball and and uh, take uh, all these chances where he's going to be throwing picks. So glad to hear you're you're on on my on my side here. Uh, so it, it, real quick before we we talk about the, these other players, you said that you're you're on fields. How would you rank these uh, these quarterbacks coming in? How how well do you think they're going to do their uh, their first year be- between between the big five that were just drafted? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was basically the only one that I was really all that low on was probably Mac Jones. I think he actually looked really good tonight for the most part uh, in preseason. So I don't know. I I know like obviously playing the odds, looking back on historical comparisons and things like that, a couple of these guys are going to bust, right? Um, I think it's really hard to determine who's going to do that at this point in time. I think a guy that is kind of being slept on, Zach Wilson, uh, people kind of look at him as maybe this like pretty boy. He looks like he's 12 years old, probably maybe think that he can't handle like some of the difficulties and he the intricacies of playing the NFL quarterback position. He is a pretty guy. But in saying that, um, he, he's, he looked really good. I think he's confident in his interviews. I think he is actually going to surprise some people. Um, but I was high on both Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, it's really hard not to be high on him at this point in time. I think I think he could easily live up to uh, the, you know, the quote unquote, like 
once in a generation type quarterback prospect because that's what he was, right? Like, I mean, the last quarterback that has been the type of prospect that Trevor Lawrence was was Andrew Luck. I think outside of injuries to Andrew Luck, he would have been, uh, you know, the great quarterback of that generation at this point in time. I think Trevor Lawrence can easily live up to that hype. Um, and I think in saying that, he can kind of not necessarily lift up the rest of the class, but I do think that it could be an outlier class as far as how good these quarterbacks can be, right? Like, I think all four-ish of them could potentially reset, um, you know, how we're viewing the quarterback position because they're bringing so much talent into the NFL that we didn't have previously, right? So I think for teams like Minnesota that missed out on them, you know, teams like Denver that decided to go with a quarterback instead, I think in, I think in you know, three years, they're really going to be regretting passing on any one of those four guys because I do think they all could have productive careers. I know that's going against, you know, historically what we've seen, how things generally play out, but I think it's really hard to determine what one, if any, is going to be a bust at this point in time. So I like all of them. Um, I do think we could be kind of seeing a somewhat changing of the guard from old quarterback to new quarterback. Obviously, that's happened a little bit with Patrick Holmes already, but I do think that's only going to continue and accelerate uh, this year with the 2021 class quarterbacks we have coming into the NFL. You know, I, I was really hoping to debate with you a little more on the show, but I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to agree with you with this that, I actually think all five of these quarterbacks are going to be good enough to uh, play, play throughout their, their entire rookie contract. And, and I actually think Kyle Trask will be the, um, the heir to uh, Tom Brady. So if, if you take that, him, you probably got to sit on him for a couple of years. But I was really impressed with with, uh, with what he did at Florida. But I, I, I do. I did. I did notice that you, you avoided my my, uh, my my initial question. But so you get you got Trevor Lawrence, number one, right? Yep. I would say Trevor. I saw. Are you talking? Do you want from like a fantasy perspective, like who's going to be more valuable in the next yeah, five yeah. years from a dynasty perspective? Or do you want to do you want to know who I think is going to win the championship, basically, or the Lombardi trophy at this point in time? Let's, uh, let's, or let's both. Dynasty. That's what, OK, that's so what I I do think I think Trey Lance and Justin Fields could easily have more value than even Trevor Lawrence from a dynasty fantasy football perspective, for sure, uh, just based on, you know, the dual threat ability of both. I do think Justin Fields is a highly accurate quarterback. I think he was dinged for all the wrong reasons uh, in this past draft cycle. So I think he is the guy that I'm probably uh, the highest on at this point in time. I do love Trey Lance in that Kyle Shanahan type offense. I do think Kyle Shanahan's going to make uh, the throws easy enough for Trey Lance to start with. And I think he could develop into a really good player, like a, you know, really, I don't, I'm not even quite sure what his comparison would be at that point, but those are the two guys that I like probably the most. Uh, based on current expectation, uh, but I feel like I'm kind of sliding Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson uh, in saying that. But I do, I do lean towards Fields and Lance being uh, the dynasty assets to own from this 2021 draft class for sure. All right, and uh, and obviously, so Mac Jones number five. Even though he Mac, had a really, he had a really he, nice throw in preseason. That doesn't really put him at number one for you. He does not. He hasn't done it yet. I mean, we'll <laughs> see. And let's say he has looked good. Obviously, you know, uh, historic Alabama offense, he, you know, mastered basically last year, really good at streaming the football. But I don't really buy into the Patriots offense uh, in general for what they've done. You know, went outside some weird signings like Nelson Aguilar, obviously went with the heavy two tight end set. So I think they're still going to probably play Cam Newton the majority of games in 2021, just based on how their offense is structured. I just think that's what they think is the best long-term fit or the best, you know, this season fit for that offense. Maybe they're going to, you know, 
re-engineer some things after this season, but I think the piece is already in place where it's going to be hard for Mac Jones to have uh, the sort of receivers and skill position players that he had at Alabama in order to be really successful. So he's going to have to be able to throw tight window throws, make decisions when guys are covered and things like that. And that's not something that we really saw him do too much of at Alabama. So that's my concern with Mac Jones at this point in time. Yeah, definitely for uh, 2021. I I agree. I I think the the defense is going to carry them throughout the first half of the season. So I I do expect Cam to play most of 2021. The uh, uh, receivers um, or tight ends or the the receiving backs aren't aren't too exciting for for fantasy. So I think it's going to be 2022 when uh, either Juju Smith-Schuster or Chris Godwin um, or somebody of that that caliber is going to get signed by, by the Patriots. Um, so, so then I think there'd be reasons to be excited about Mac Jones then, but, um, especially leagues that, that only award four points for passing touchdown. I mean, Mac Jones is basically has to hit on, on three touchdowns just for him to, uh, be better than a, a running back or a wide receiver in that, uh, that super flex position. But, um, once again, I got, I got off track. So the, uh, the, the second player that I think who's currently underrated is, uh, JK Dobbins currently the running back 15 in dynasty Um, much like Tua I think after the 2021 season Dobbins is going to be a top seven if not a top five running back in dynasty he's going to pass Joe Mixon CEH Antonio Gibson Zeke Najee Swift Aaron Jones and Derrick Henry in the last five games of the season in 2020 Dobbins had six touchdowns averaged 6.9 yards per carry 85 yards per game with only 12 carries per game. If you were telling me this is his floor because of Gus Edwards and and Lamar running the ball, that's fine with me. With only two targets in those five games, Dobbins is basically a more efficient Derrick Henry. At 22 years old, sign me up for this RB1 with five-plus years of elite-level play. See, and I think if you want a disagreement from me, you are going to get it with this one. Yes. Um, because I don't, I don't buy into the J.K. Dobbins hype. I mean, obviously he's a really talented back, uh, but there's always this added element of not only Lamar Jackson but Gus Edwards, right? Like they re-up Gus Edwards, uh, pretty decent contract for him. Obviously he's going to be around for a while, uh, which means that J.K. Dobbins is never going to be the workhorse running back uh, that we need or want for him to finish in that top ten, top five at the running back position right now. Our projections basically have him receiving uh, like a 40, 42% share of the Ravens' rush attempts in 2021. I think Lamar Jackson's basically around that 18 to 20% at this point in time. I just don't see the rushes that J.K. Dobbins is going to get to be valuable enough for him to not only uh, reach the running back 10, running back 5 threshold, but even to pay off his ADP of like running back 15 at this point in time. I think it's going to be much more of a committee approach uh, in Baltimore and it also is going to it's also going to need he would also need for like the Ravens offense to either be super hyper efficient or completely run the ball 100% of the time and those are just two things I don't think is going to happen I was kind of excited about Lamar Jackson's potential passing prospects with Rashad Bateman in the fold obviously Rashad Bateman's injured now probably not going to be around till week three week four or something like that so maybe they rely more heavily on uh, the Russian attack, but I just don't think there's going to be enough volume for Dobbins to get over this threshold uh, and kind of make that leap in a second season. So I am I am definitely out on J.K. Dobbins. I think I'm probably out on the Ravens' backfield in general. I think I kind of want to own some pieces of the Ravens' passing attack. I know that's a little bit uh, contrarian or whatever at this point in time, but I do think that that's probably 
the undervalued piece of this offense from my perspective. So that's the those would be my targets. So I'm I'm not on the uh, J.K. Dobbins breakout trade at this point in time, unfortunately. Do you, do you, do you so. know who the healthiest receiver is in Baltimore right now? It's not Sammy Watkins or Rashad Bateman. It's got to be what Marquise Brown. Well, Marquise Brown was injured like uh, what last week or it, something it, like it that too. Is, it actually is Sammy Watkins. Is it Sammy Watkins? And you That's want to talk about an injury-prone receiver? <laughs> so if it, it's going to come down to Mark Andrews and and uh, and the backfield. So that may, maybe they're going to be uh, splitting Dobbins out wide and they'll have Gus Edwards in the back. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm glad I, I, I persuaded you with that. Uh, well, sorry. Yeah. There. I mean, I don't I don't think that's necessarily what's going to happen because, you know, Sammy Watkins is going to break out in week one because that's what he always does, basically. Right. So we're going to see like a 30 point fantasy performance from Sammy Watkins in week one. And then Rashad Bateman's going to be back. And then we'll see the potential passing offense take off. And don't forget about Mark Andrews. I know you mentioned him early in the podcast, but um, I think that I think we're going to see a little bit better of a Ravens passing attack this year. Cause I think they understand that they now need to kind of develop that in the regular season, or they're going to get, continue to probably get blown out in the playoffs. So I think they're going to try to establish the pass a little bit uh, in the regular season to the detriment of JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards and maybe Lamar Jackson's fantasy value as well. But uh, that's my read on the Ravens of 2021 for sure. And I'm sticking to it. All right. So it, it, it sounds like you don't want, you're, you're more of a, a quantity versus, versus quality uh, running back uh, kind of guy. So I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing you're, you're the kind of guy that, that would prefer Najee Harris, uh, who's going to get the, the majority of the carries in, uh, in Pittsburgh over, over J.K. Dobbins. I mean, if I was choosing right now, I would go Najee Harris over him. I do think there are some cons- – and, like, the thing that I look at a lot more, and I know people are like, oh, you got to – you know, it's all about talent at both the running back and wide receiver position when you're evaluating fantasy. Um, and I think our ability to evaluate talent and separate talent to the degrees that people think that they're capable of uh, isn't that great, right? Like, the NFL pays tons of people tons of money to try and find the most talented players at each position – so, like, what we are trying to decipher better than them, basically, is, like, how much better one player is than the other. I think our ability as fantasy analysts, fantasy players of doing that isn't that great either. So, from my perspective, I'm looking at, you know, who's in line for a lot of volume. Maybe he's not, quote-unquote, the most talented person on in the NFL or anything like that, but he's in line for volume. He has good players around him. He's going to be in a productive, efficient offense. He's going to have, you know more chances to score because his offense moves the football a lot better than the other offenses. Those are the kind of guys I want to buy into, right? So those are the players that I'm looking to potentially break out. So a guy like Clyde edwards uh probably pretty similar season to J.K. Dobbins last year, uh, but is going to be involved with the best offense in the NFL. Uh, could be in line for some more goal line work and did, did get a lot of help in front of him at the O-line position in the offseason. That was the area of focus for the Chiefs. Um, so I think from that perspective, I would be much more inclined to buy into a guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in that draft position than a guy like J.K. Dobbins, than a guy like Najee Harris at this point in time. So he would be uh, my dynasty buy. He would be my redraft buy. He would be all those things because I want to be, I want to own as many shares of players in the best offense as I possibly can, especially when that offense uh, could potentially be um, you know, concentrated on just a few options. Of course, we know about Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, but I think everyone expects a third, maybe even a fourth option to emerge in that offense. And who's to say Tyree Kill or Travis Kelsey uh, doesn't get injured for a certain 
portion of the regular season or something like that. Somebody else is going to have to step up. Somebody else is going to be on the receiving end of Patrick Mahomes's, you know, passes. They're obviously going to be on target. They're obviously going to be fast. Those are guys that I want to buy into at this point in time. Is uh, the approach that I'm taking um, from from a fantasy evaluation standpoint. Yeah, it, it's it's got to be Ceh, right? I, I, after we, what we saw, uh, Damian Williams or, or whoever the the starting running back was um, two two seasons ago, it 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 seemed like that with uh, when they lost, was it their center to uh, uh, who, who opted out last season with the, the yep. protocol? Yeah, yep. so the, they they just couldn't get the run game game going the the way that they wanted to. So I think I think uh, most of the fantasy community would would uh, uh, align with your your thoughts there. But uh, I know you've got some calculations out there for some players. Do you happen to know how many rush attempts you're expecting for J.K. Dobbins when you say that he's going to have 40%? I definitely can here. So let's see. We are um, J.K. Dobbins. We have projected 207 rush attempts. Okay. That puts him basically right in line with, like, Daryl Henderson, 209 rush attempts. Um Chris Carson, 205 rush attempts. I think Chris Carson is probably going to be over that rushing attempt amount. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, 202 rushing attempts. We have Clyde Edwards-Alaire slotted for five less uh, rushing attempts than J.K. Dobbins. The difference, of course, being uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire expected to receive 60, 60 targets. J.K. Dobbins expected to receive, what, 30 targets? Half that. Yep. Um, so that's, that's separation at that point in time, right? We know how much more valuable targets are than rush attempts um yeah. so especially from a ppr perspective clyde edwards Lair for me the definite play even though even over other players right so um i think the discussion is like how you know clyde edwards Lair, deandre swift jk Dobbins, probably how i would rank those second second year uh running backs of course antonio gibson in the mix as well i do think clyde edwards Lair is my favorite um from those guys but then of course you have jonathan taylor um Antonio Gibson, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins. So those are, you know, those are tough questions at this point in time. Uh, and we only have a new influx of uh, running back talent as well coming up in this rookie draft class as well. So yeah. we'll see it. So, so, so you, you got him penciled out at 207 rushing attempts. This is, Ben, this is this is the last opportunity you have to hop on this Dobbins train. <laughs> we saw 207 rush, yeah, 207 rushing attempts, 1,000 yards exactly. I mean, that's still... Yeah. 198.4 fantasy points in PPR, finishing as tw- the 21st overall running back. So, yeah. I mean, so, that's basically right where he's being drafted, even though he's, uh, he's a little low still. So Last season, we saw Aaron Jones have 201 rush attempts with, with nine rushing touchdowns and 1,100 rushing yards, finished as the RB5 in standard and PPR. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this is Dobbins' season. Dobbins... This is going to be, he's going to have an Aaron Jones type season. I mean, if he gets to 50 targets in the passing game, um, I, I'm i a believer at that point in time, right? I just don't know if he's going to get there. I don't know if he's going to get the third down work, and I don't know if he's going to get the goal line work. I think he's basically like third on the pecking order for goal line carries at this point in time. Um, so I think it's really tough to project him, you know, with anything over like what, six touchdowns or something like that. Whereas, you know, you're looking at guys like Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, uh, Delvin Cook, Derrick Henry, those sorts of guys all projected over 10, even like a Nick Chubb, 10, 9.5. So I don't know. Even if even if J.K. Dobbins hits that second threshold of uh, 
rushing touchdown scoring, I still think he's going to have a really hard time cracking the top 10, in my opinion, is my perspective at this point in time, unfortunately. So we will agree to disagree, I guess. All right. All right. I I, I did my best there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I know you said uh, that I'm one of three dates you've got tonight. You've got another podcast or or two that you're joining tonight. So I I don't want to take up too much of your time. It, can you can you tell the people of the uh, SDFB community where they can follow you? Yeah, definitely. So I am at PFF underscore Ben Brown on Twitter. Uh, try and get on there once in a while. I probably don't tweet as much as I should, but definitely in season. I'm going to be hitting with a lot of content, uh, both redraft, DFS, um, and some betting content as well. So make sure you check it out. PFF underscore Ben Brown. Yeah, if you're looking for... Uh any uh some DraftKings or some some best ball advice i've been i've been reading some some of your articles trying to trying to trying to learn a thing or two this is my first year doing doing any any kind of best ball so i appreciate appreciate, i I appreciate the reading i appreciate the follows um i definitely appreciate so yeah reach out anytime if anybody has any questions Uh, i'd love to chat fantasy football any chance i can get so and uh one one last plug here uh we are doing one more best ball See, you're, you're teaching me how to how to do these these transitions here. We we got we got one more uh, best ball league. We got five <laughs> spots left. It's another 16 man uh, super flex league. Twenty dollars to play. A hundred dollars is going to the Muscular uh, Dystrophy Association. So um, look look for uh, myself or uh, my co-host Sam uh, at Tight Ends Matter, and uh, we'll get you into the league. So want to thank you, Ben. Uh, looking forward to having you on the podcast early on in the season, getting this uh, this Carson Wentz for for Big Ben trade done, <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, it, it, enjoy the the rest of the preseason. Awesome, yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. I look forward to chat with you again. You, you, you remember how, how to get us out of here? You're gonna have to remind me, I guess, for sure. So, yes, they keep the flexi. Right. I was, I was gonna say, I was gonna say only tight ends matter, but I knew it was keep the flexi at this point. So, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll keep that in the outtakes. I, I know my brother will appreciate that. <laughs> With the uh, with the injury to uh, Rashad Bateman, are, are you are you still a believer? I mean, I'm definitely I definitely cooled off some, right? Like I still think, uh, from a dynasty perspective, I wouldn't move him anywhere at this point. I don't think you really have to. Um, from a redraft perspective, obviously, not only is he missing like the first two games of the season, but he's missing what six six or so weeks um, of practice time time gelling with you know Lamar Jackson as well I'm not saying that's never going to happen but I think it's going to be real, real, something that's really difficult to um, really difficult to have happen in season uh, especially given some of the health concerns that the Ravens have had Lamar Jackson's got COVID like three times at this point so you never know what his status is going to be either um, so from that point of view I'm just I can't I can't fully buy into Rashad Bateman where he's probably going to get drafted and like redraft at this point in time. So I would, uh, I would probably pump the brakes a little bit. I think it makes me more inclined to lean towards Mark Andrews, even though he was a guy that I wasn't necessarily buying into from a fantasy perspective this year either. So 
We'll see. It's going to be, I don't know. I think, honestly, the Browns could end up winning the AFC North, and that's kind of my uh, direction and lean. I do think the Bengals are going to be a lot better as well and could be involved in some potential shootouts. So maybe that's a, maybe that's a good thing from a fantasy perspective. So Liv- you, you said uh, Diami Brown have a couple of nice catches, right? Oh, did he actually? I was watching the other game a little bit. Did he actually have some? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he had like a, a he had slam. two for sixteen, huh? Yep, yep. And uh, and actually, uh, uh, Tyler Heineke, if that's how you pronounce his last name, he uh, missed uh, missed Diami Brown. Where he, he had like two steps on the on the the safety and the corner, so he could have taken one to the house. Right. That is things you love to see. I mean. That one worked out for me. I also think the Brian Edwards is starting to trend in the right direction for me a little bit. Oh, as yeah. Well. So. Well, well, yeah, you took you took on this team. I'm, I'm trying to help a buddy out. Trying to help a buddy out. I know. It's going to yeah. go well. I think it's turning around, so I got some draft picks. Yeah. Might make a few more plays here, so we'll see. But we'll see if we can work out a Ben Roethlisberger trade or something like that. Then, oh, so. yeah. Well, and my, my favorite undrafted player is uh, Jared Patterson. Look at and he just balled out, back. right? Yeah, and he, just... and he so he basically he bailed out Heineke. I mean, it, you 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 got to watch the replays of this game. Caught the ball down at the three yard line. Um, on the next play, I think he got in, but they they said his knee was down, and then they put they in. They gave it to Peyton uh, Barber. Yeah, Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber just always. You love to see it. I know. I'm not that. I'm not super high on Antonio Gibson. I feel like he's just you know obviously. J.D. McKissick, everything else. Now they have Peyton Barber, Valtteri, and Goldline carry. So I just don't know if he's going to be like the workhorse running back, basically, that uh, everyone kind of projects at this point in time. So we'll see. We'll see. Well, he he definitely didn't do it in college. So that's what makes me right. what happens when he starts getting 20 or 25 carries. Yeah, they're going to cut him back really quickly, you'd think, at that point in time. But 